0: Hello, 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 welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, hello, and welcome. Hello, hello, welcome. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at DansFish.com. And we do this live stream every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those that don't know where the mountains are. Glad you're here. Glad we could do this every week. I appreciate you joining us. So today we're gonna do the shipment report as always, and then we'll get into some neat stuff. So, shipment report first. Then some updates about uh, the business and what we did this week and all that. And then we'll get to the giveaway, which is really cool. It's a $100 gift certificate provided by the fishy mailman. So thank you to the fishy mailman for doing that. If I get a sound check, audio is good, says Gold Nugget Pleco. Awesome. 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 So shipping report, nothing to report. Everything went smoothly since we last talked, which is what we want. So as far as I know... There have been no issues with uh, people receiving fish healthy and happy. So, uh, so yeah, <laughs> that's what we want. Now we shipped out a bunch more fish today. It's been a, whew, it's been a busy day, but we got it done, and now we're here. So hopefully, those I'll, I'll find out tomorrow how all that went. Um, we might be shifting our shipping schedule slightly and shipping out on. Tuesday and Thursday starting in the next week or two. I don't know if that'll be next week. It'll probably be next week actually because Memorial Day is Monday and so we can't ship on Monday. So we'll probably ship on Tuesday and Thursday next week and start that. Um, There's very, very rarely ever a delay, but in the cold weather, I like to avoid shipping out on Thursdays if I can because if there is a delay and the fish don't get to you on Friday we can't wrangle Saturday shipping because I can't get a hold of the rep or, or whatever, right? Um, we don't want the sit, the fish to sit in the cold over the weekend if they miss delivery. So during the cold weather, we don't do that. In the warm weather, it's much less of a risk. It hardly ever happens. And it hardly ever happens that if there is a delay that I can't just adjust it for Saturday delivery. But um, that's why in the winter we don't do that. But it's as we're hiring staff and things, it's going to be nice for the workers if they can avoid having to come in on a Sunday and prep everything. So when we can, we like to prep Monday, ship Tuesday, prep Wednesday, ship Thursday, but not in the cold weather. So that's why we're adjusting that. Um, So shipment report is all good. We ordered a ton of stuff. So we, we ordered stuff a while ago, but we actually when you order this large equipment we need, let me bring something up here, for the fish warehouse, um, it's, it's quite a process. It's not like just quickly purchasing something online because it's large amounts of money. Um, and you, you're in contracts and things like that versus just, let me just pay for it. <laughs> so let me bring this up real quick and show you what I'm talking about, what we've been working on. Okay, I'm trying to find the best plan. Uh, this one's pretty good. Okay, so here's an engineer's rendering of some of the equipment. So. What we've actually ordered and now been invoiced for and sent payment on, so it's all official now, are these two things here. These are very large carbon filters. The, this line right here is 10 feet. So these carbon filters are about eight feet off the ground here. Now you can see the top view here. So those are now ordered. Um, What else did I need to order on my end? This bad boy here, which is an economizer, which exchanges heat from outgoing water and puts it into the incoming water to heat, more green friendly. Those are now, um, oh, actually, that one we're still waiting on an invoice on. That's the only piece that we've ordered. Um, We filled out all the paperwork because you have to create an account and all that stuff with the manufacturer. And now we are just waiting for them to invoice us. So this should be actually tied up tomorrow. Then these are the UV filters, UV sterilizers here that you're seeing from the top view. And over here, I believe on the side view, those are all ordered. And, um, these bag filters, these large stainless steel bag filter setups, that i believe has been ordered but that's not i'm not ordering that there's another company ordering that as well as the furnace so that's what we've been working on a lot is just getting getting the right equipment getting it ordered getting it paid for <laughs> and so i'm happy to say that i think after tomorrow we'll have the heat exchanger Finalized, And so the only thing left will be in the outdoor surface well, a massive pump with a variable frequency drive and all that. Um, the engineer that's sourcing that is on out of town until Friday. So hopefully Friday we'll be able to move on that. So things are moving. There's some lead times we have to deal with and stuff. So we're getting everything wrapped up as, as quickly as we can. So Ben, uh, let's see. That was pretty much... Today, Monday, when I wasn't shipping, uh, well, since Friday, we pr- pretty much been going back and forth, getting that all set up and ordered between shipments and prep and, and all that stuff. So that's been my world for a while. The other thing I've done is I cleaned. <laughs> it's, it's, it's It was getting to be a disaster down here. I just hadn't like, anytime I'd open a box it was kind of like, okay, hey, got the thing I need. Don't have time to deal with this box right now. Set it aside. You know, is that kind of scenario for the last several weeks. So <laughs> we cleared out here. We got Chris an official workstation so he can be more efficient. So he's all set up down here. Um, and I'm getting Jonathan's workstation set up as well. So it's basically been expansion stuff. Ordering equipment, getting people settled, making sure that they have the the workstations and the supplies and the right computer and everything they need to work effectively. So that's what we've been working on. The other thing we've been working on is we've been reviewing applications. I want to thank everybody that sent in a a resume and a cover letter for the position here of um, chief Operations Officer or Fish Happiness Officer here at Dan's Fish. Thank you so much to everyone that applied. We're going over those um, and starting that process. It's not going to be a super quick process. Uh, We're we're being very careful with this hire, but it's coming along. So that's pretty much me. Um, Yeah. Oh, the other thing is we landed a new import last weekend. So Saturday, we spent... The whole day, pretty much, uh, we got new fish in and and took care of them and everything. And uh, the courier service from Denver worked like a charm. I'm so happy about that. I lost Friday a lot of it. So I got my second COVID vaccine shot on Thursday of last week. Thursday afternoon. And the first one I was like, ah, my arm's a little sore and I feel a little off, but nothing, nothing big, no problem. So I wasn't expecting what, what happened, but I woke up Friday and I felt like I'd been hit with a sledgehammer, man. It was, I was like, it was demoralizing. It was emasculating. I'm like, I just got a vaccine. How can I be feeling this bad? So I I got up and I struggled through Friday until about lunchtime And then I was just like, I have to go to bed. It just felt like a bad case of the flu where your bones ached and you're exhausted. That's kind of what it was like. So unfortunately, I did lose um, about half of Friday just because when I was working, I wasn't being very efficient. I was just sore and tired. And then then I hit the bed. So that was an interesting experience. But we're back up and going um, for now. Let's see here. Okay, so that's pretty much an update on what's been going on here. Let me get to the giveaway. This is provided by the Fishing Mailman, which is awesome. Um, Fishing Mailman just wanted to celebrate Memorial Day and was like, hey, I want to do this. I'm a veteran. Um, Fish have been really helped me a lot, been good to me. So with Memorial Day coming up, Um, I'd like to spread the love. So the fishy mailman has provided a hundred dollar gift certificate for the uh, giveaway tonight. I want to thank you so much, fishy mailman. Very generous of you to basically just say happy Memorial Day to everyone and celebrate Memorial Day. So with that, if you would like to enter to win that, it's hashtag happy Memorial Day. That's all. <laughs> Pretty simple. Not short, but easy. Happy Memorial Day. So if you enter that into the chat, you will be entered to win a $100 gift certificate provided by the fishy mailman. Um, before we get into questions and comments, I want to thank my mods. Thanks so much. I see Kaler's Aquatics and Reptiles. We're expanding <laughs> as well as Punchy Paints. Um, I don't know if the others are here right now or not, but if they are, hi to you too. If not, see you next time or later. Um, and I think that's all the updates. So I'm going to scroll up and get to questions and comments, and we'll get into all that business. Golden Nugget Pleco Tetra says, hi. Well, hi, right back at you. Fish guy, Miki, my bad on missing out last stream, busy packing. Yeah, well, yeah. are you packing because you're moving or Are you packing fish to send to someone? Um, but either way, hope it went well. The fishy mailman, I wanted to support Dan's fish and you guys get some awesome fish. Yes. Thanks again, fishy mailman. It's very generous of you. Very much appreciated. Lunatic French says, Hello. I right back at you, Chewy. Eric Wyrock. I had my epistogram of cockatoides breed. Can I get a goal for cockatoides? <laughs> we'll see if a goal appears. It's not that it's not exciting. It's that I've got to conserve my voice for an hour and a half. So I've got to. Gotta see how. I've been in a lot of meetings and stuff talking a lot, so. Um, Let's see here. I saw Joel Ramos. Hi from Santa Barbara. Hi, right back at you. Man, I miss that place. Go down to the beach and say hello to the water for me. (laughs) I miss it. (laughs) Orange cones. Always thinking of others. New human workers and the fish. Sunday prep time. Yeah, I mean, I just. I'm trying to figure out a way. It's going to be crazy busy for the first year, first year and a half as we get up and running. And I'm trying to find a way to make it sustainable for everyone. Um I can go 24-7. I'm gonna have to sleep and eat occasionally. And you know it's good to shower here and there. <laughs> shave when you can, you know, get a haircut. It took me two weeks to finally find time to shave and get a haircut. <laughs> this last round. So it's gonna be really busy. I'm trying to figure a way to to balance the needs of getting launched and up and running and and grinding through that first startup period at scale um, with how to make it so that the employees that are coming on are, are able to function as human beings, right? And so I'm trying to find a day, a week, where they can just go, relax, drive up to the mountains, take a deep breath, hang out with their family, whatever their thing is. Netflix and chill, I don't care. Um, Trying to find a day they can do that every week. and Sunday seems to be a good day to do it. Um, Recharge. You know, get the brunch special if you're so inclined, all that stuff. Um, And so... Yeah, I'm, I'm just working on that. We'll see how it goes. But that's what I'm trying to do. I just don't want to burn everybody out. Right. I mean. Yeah, people just need need some time sometimes. Alexandria Rodriguez. I ordered a baby whale about three weeks ago. I've been having trouble getting him to eat. Any advice? Um Mine really like frozen bloodworms, and they're eating frozen brine shrimp. Their absolute favorite, which they haven't had in a few weeks just because I haven't had it, but their absolute favorite is blackworms. So in nature, what mamirids like the baby whale do is they swim around. Oh, also, how's your tank set up? Um, Do you have fine sand or something that they can sift through that could be helpful They need lots of hides. So if it's a bear tank or there aren't lots of sheltered caves and stuff for them, then they could be stressed and shy and and not want to eat. So the trick with my a couple things. Lots of hiding places. Uh, Think of like caves, dark crevices they can get into. Um, And if they don't have those, they'll be stressed all the time. The other thing is, other fish can outcompete them pretty quickly. They're once they kind of settle in, they're pretty quick to the food, but not quick enough to fend off like a big group of tetras or something like that. So that's number two. Um, number three, I would say, is if there's some kind of fine sand substrate, I think that's ideal, or leaf litter stuff like that. So in the wild, what they're doing is they. Are sending out these electric signals, kind of like using them as sonar, I guess, and probing around in the muck on the, on the substrate for little worms and crustaceans and stuff to eat. So what I found works best with them is if I put in a fine sand substrate, they'll go around and they'll, they'll you know, sonar their way across the top of it till they find something and then, then grab it. That's how they like to hunt. So it really helps to have something like that, fine sand or leaf litter, for them to pick through and and browse through because that's their natural feeding behavior. The other thing with momyrids is, I really think they do better in groups. They're a very communicative fish. They actually speak to each other constantly um, through electrical signals. They, they ping out these electrical signals and talk to each other that way. That's how they communicate. And I'm not an expert on them. So this statement might be wrong. I just haven't, I'm not as knowledgeable about them as some other groups of fish. But I think it's possible that they might do best in groups. Because if you're a Mamirid, and you're in a tank all by yourself and you're constantly sending out these signals and no one's ever responding. You're, you you do not have that um, affirmation of the community. It's like, Oh man, I'm here all alone. What happened to the rest of the guys? <laughs> something must've eaten them. It's scary out there. There's a problem. You know, I, I'm not sure, but I suspect maybe something like that happens with them. So I would think a group of them would probably be more at ease just because, then they can communicate and get the responses and stuff that they're accustomed to receiving. So that's another thing to think about. Um, but what I would start with, because the, probably the easiest thing, is are there enough caves and shelter? Make sure he's not getting out-competed, and then try some blackworms, some live blackworms. And hopefully that'll help for you. Um, if anyone else has any advice on that front uh, for Alexandria, that would be most welcome. If anyone here, again, I'm not an expert on my I just, I just kept a few over the years. And growing up, I I mean, Jim Forche, my fishy godfather, had some that he had for years and years and years. Uh, he had some of this big 360-gallon aquarium. He had Bollinger's and he had Peter's Eye. And, um, yeah, they weren't. They weren't shy at all. They were very settled in and like you drop in the frozen brine shrimp. Well, you'd thaw at first for them, but you, you put in the brine shrimp and they were like boom, pretty immediate feeders. So but but they've been well established for a long time and there was a big group of them. Kids Aquatics, any further update on the African Tetris? Bob, I hate to say it, but they're still not doing well. Doesn't look good. I have not been able to figure out what's going on. We're talking about one species. We're talking about the red-eye African Tetra. Poor Bob has been waiting for, I think, two years. And I finally got some in, and they did great. No problems at all. Went through quarantine, no issues. Sent some out, everything's good. And then, uh, when was it? I can't remember the exact timeline, but a little while after all that. I lost a few, and so I was like, oh, what's going on? A day or two later, lost some more, so it's like, oh, now it's now it's not just a fluke thing. It's, well, fluke, uh, that's not a good term when you're talking about fish, <laughs> illnesses and fish, because that's any fish illness. That's not just a happenstance thing, um, and it's it's kept going like that, Bob, and I've tried several medicines. I've tried everything kind of that I know to do, and I'm still losing them. So I'm not sure. Sometimes in situations like this, just over, they, they never stabilize completely and they seem fine. And then a few days later, it's like, Oh, lost another one acting fine. Sometimes it goes for a week or so. And you're like, okay, now they're ready and you're about to sell them. And then another one goes down. Sometimes they never quite recover. Then other times, I don't know why, but other times it's like, you give them some time and long enough time, they just stabilize and it goes away. So I'm not sure which one this will be, but as of now, there's still issues there. I'm sorry. I, I know, Bob, I know you've waited for a long time for those. And I feel bad. Anytime there's a fish that gets an illness, and, you know, you do everything you can, and if you can't help them, it's just, uh, I think it's... Is it the part of fish keeping I hate the most? I think that's safe to say. There might be something else that I can't think of right now, but I think that's the part of it that I hate the most. So I hope no one else ever has that experience of having a fish go down and have a problem and just not being able to, to figure it out. But if you are having that experience, I, I sympathize. I, <laughs> I get it. Fish tank barn, I had the same thing with the second shot. Oh, what were we talking about? Oh, with the second flu shot? man it surprised the heck out of me Thursday afternoon got it and the nurse was like you know some people have trouble with this and I'm like nah I won't I never have trouble with stuff like this and I don't woke up the next morning man I had been run over with a truck like Chris Chris came to work and I, I was like hey Chris he's like what's wrong <laughs> you look like you look like you have the worst hangover ever No, just got a flu shot or um, a COVID shot Yeah, just I hope that doesn't happen to most people, but I'd be prepared to, like, lose a day. (laughs) It was not pretty. Drink some quarantine tank water. That's right. That's what I didn't do. I didn't have my quarantini. Quarantini. (laughs) All right. I'm scrolling up here because chat jumped on me again. So here we go. I'm looking. Oh, I don't know if I can get back to the top. The next one I can see here is Mike Stambaugh that says, did you ever bring in Tanganyika and Killifish? I've been told they don't ship well. Um, If you left a question or comment above Mike Stambaugh here, let me show you right here. This is as high as I can go. And right after all the happy Memorial Day entries. um, If you left one above that and I didn't get to it because chat jumped, then feel free to leave it again. We don't let's make it easy on the mods and not spam you know questions or comments over and over but if i actually skip you uh then feel free to post it again i have brought in tanganican killifish these tanganicanus one of my favorites of all time i want to show this to everyone because not everyone knows this fish this is just an amazing amazing fish like like robin's egg blue with this yellow on them, they get a good size. I'm gonna say uh, six inches isn't. Yeah, I'm gonna say six inches is probably possible with these guys. One of my favorites. Um, oh, is that a little fry cute? Anyway, love these. Have kept them. Have bred them. Have raised them in the past. Um, and. I wouldn't say they're bad shippers. I would say they don't ship well when they're not properly prepared. Um, Yeah, most people just do a horrible job shipping fish, period. But if you properly prepare them, then I found them to be pretty rock solid. With the caveat that I was sending babies around, I don't know, an inch, inch and a quarter, something like that. I have not tried to bring in or send out adults. My preferred way to do it is to buy eggs. I think last time I did it, I bought like 100 eggs. Hatch them out, raise them up. They're big eggs. They're easy to raise. If you keep the water clean, they hate ammonia, they hate nitrite. But if the water conditions are kept clean, then they raise really easily because they hatch at such a large size. I mean, the eggs look like, like miniature trout eggs or salmon eggs. They aren't as big, but... They're good sized. They eat baby brine shrimp right off the bat and they grow fairly rapidly. So that's my favorite way to get them. Big group, raise them up. Then you have a big breeding group and you can raise babies and sell them from there. So adults, I'm not so sure, but eggs and small fish, they do just fine. Fish guy, Mickey, packing because we got to move. Oof. Yeah. Oh, I think, did we talk about that like? couple weeks ago that you're moving. I can't remember. Lots of people are moving. <laughs> but anyway, good luck. I, I know what a grind moving can be. And I got some pretty good news. Well, stop with the teasers and say, I've got some pretty good news and what it is. <laughs> Let us know. Cancer Train, 300 gallon stock tank with nine Malapis silver dollars, 12. Did I say that right? My, my plus. I didn't get the second L. My Mylopolis silver dollars, 12 geophagus brasiliensis. What kind of top dwellers should I add? Madagascar rainbow just didn't do it for me. Hmm. So one of the tricks there is those silver dollars are such fast eaters. So the trick is going to be a lot of the surface dwelling fish are kind of sit and wait predators that kind of hang out. And when something lands, they go over and eat it. They aren't necessarily rapid swimmers to the food. So I'm trying to think of a true surface dweller, like something that pegs to the top, that is quick enough to the food that a silver dollar or a group of silver dollars won't outcompete it. How big is like a... No, I've never kept those. I was going to say maybe Huetagar. Um, how big do those get? Would that, would those get too big? Let's see. Let's go on a trip together. So I want to say the caveat that I've never kept these. So I'm not sure how surface oriented they are. Um, got the cute little mustaches though. I've always thought that was cute. And do they get... Let's here. Let's see how big they get. I think they're one of the smaller ones and might fit in a tank like that. 25 centimeters. Yeah, so that's not a giant fish. If someone knows that those are truly surface-oriented, um, my thought is those might be big enough and tough enough to hang and get to the food, but I don't know for sure. Okay, what else? I mean, Madagascar rainbows kind of are in the top third of the tank, but I wouldn't call them a true surface dweller. I don't know. I'm not really thinking right now. I'm sorry, Cancer Train. I'm not thinking of like a true surface dweller, by which I mean like a hatchet fish or a um, African butterfly fish or a half beak or something that really does stay at the top. That is also big enough and quick enough to the food. I'm Someone out here help us out. Because my brain failed. Now, I can think of fish that might be more surface-oriented than others, like uh, there's some rainbow fish and stuff like that. But true surface dwellers, not sure. Heather Bodysmith, my red-fin blue tetra has black spots all over its body. No other symptoms and no other fish in the tank has it. What is it and how can I treat it? Um, Heather, I don't really know. The only thing that I can when I see black spots on a fish that I, I can more or less diagnose is like velvet which are tiny, 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 tiny little, looks almost like pepper but smaller like, a, like iridescent copper, tiny little flakes of iridescent copper have been sprinkled on the fish kind of black spots so if it's something like that maybe it's velvet but if it's every now and then you'll see a fish that has a like a larger black spot on it. And I honestly don't know what that is. It's not something I see very often or that I have figured out yet. So I wish I could help you more, but I'm not sure. Fish Guy Mickey, everyone is all good now. Oh good. I treated their food with medicine, but they got almost all the this- stuff all this stuff away and I got a and his name is pretzel all right good I'm glad to hear that things are doing well crown tail can you say hi to candy and send our love and best wishes to her hi candy love and best wishes <laughs> yeah of course I can do that I'm I think candy knows yeah I think she's just busy with the move and settling in and all that stuff but uh, yeah candy knows she's loved All right. What are we at? 173 viewers. Not too bad on a nice evening when a lot of people are probably out like, you know, perambulating after a nice dinner. Paul Soltero. So what interesting fish came in? So Paul, talk about it next live stream. Um, We got some cool stuff that came in for sure. I'm very excited about, but I don't want to talk about it until they're actually ready to go. And and here's the reason in the past when I've done that and talked about the fish before they're like, you know, pretty much ready to go. I get a bunch of emails of people saying like, Hey, I want you to hold this for me and I want you to hold that for me and hold that. And the other thing, and uh, that turns into this logistical nightmare that I'm just not set up to handle. Honestly, I don't have like reserve software that I can keep track of all that. It's like sticky notes and those, uh, (laughs) you lose a sticky note, you get an un, you lose, sorry, I can't talk. You lose a sticky note, you get an unhappy customer. So that's one, one reason. The other reason is until things are through quarantine, I don't want to really announce, Hey, I've got these because what if they do poorly, right? I don't want someone to be all excited about, man, I like that fish. And then be all excited about it and want it and be waiting for it, get the tank all set up and then be like, oh, you know what? Those, those didn't go through quarantine well. Now that almost never happens, but it's not the experience I want a customer to have. Sorry, it's going to be three more months. There's something going on. I'm trying to figure it out. You know, I don't I don't want them to have that. So next live stream, we'll talk about that in detail. What came in and um, go through the whole thing of what each fish is. It should be a good one. There's some, there's some awesome stuff. Crown Tail Half Moon, good to see you. Can you use oreganite in fresh water as replacement for corals to keep pH stable? Sure, aragonite crushed coral, in my opinion, pretty much does the same thing as far as trying to add some calcium to the water, yes. Now there's some people that prefer one over the other, but they, they both work. Lunatic Fringe, Mamirids is one of my favorite fish families from Africa. Another group of fish that I'm studying is little microcynodonis. Well, I do have one that I can show you. I have baitsii, which is a cool little microcynodonis that I just need to get listed. It's, it's ready to go and stuff. I just have to get a picture. They're hard to get pictures of and get it listed, but they're these little guys. A little bumblebee, African catfish, if you will. Um, closely related to the synodontists, and they stay small. They only get, uh, I, think, uh, I think we're talking couple inches. And really cool little fish. Really peaceful, like to be in big groups, and um, they're like a synodontist in behavior. You put the food in and it's like, boom, cloud of little catfish swimming around to eat. And it looks like 3.5 inches is what Seriously Fish says is their maximum size. I've never seen them bigger than two inches or so, but I usually sell them, you know, before they get full size on me. But Batesii is the one I'm able to get in, um, I wouldn't say regularly, but I have a supplier that they're often on on his list. Um, I'm hoping to get some more species in too though. Because, you know, the problem with most synodontists is they just get too big for a lot of tanks. So it'd be nice to have a micro option, right? All right. Alexandria giving me some some more information. Has sand in the tank? Good. I put him in my planted community because he was... I was scared he was too small for the fifty-five gallon. Okay, okay, gotcha. All right, um, let's let's try Black Rooms Alexandria. And let me know how that goes. Um, hopefully that works. Hey, Skipper's Aquatics or Aquariums. Good to see ya. SNT Aquatics. We have a platy that was normal for a couple of months, but now has a crook spine, is this a genetic condition or could it be something else? Um, yes and yes. I, you know, you hear lots of things in this hobby about crook spines and I'm not sure that we really know in every situation. (laughs) Um, I think there are illnesses that can do that. I think there are genetics that can do that. I think age can do that. I think, Like a a rough pregnancy for a a female live bearer could do that. I think malnutrition could do that. I don't know if water parameters could do that. Like stripping calcium from bones. I'm not sure if you have like soft acidic water. Uh, But I've heard of that as well. I don't know if I believe it, but I've heard it. Um, I think there's lots of things. And I, I don't know if... There's probably even more than I just mentioned. And I don't know if we... When that happens, if we ever really know what caused it, I wish I could, wish I could tell you Chris Trapp, how old are your archer fish? Oh man, I don't even know. Okay. Let's look in the time machine here Let you go to my YouTube channel and see if I can't find this real quickly, then, then we'll, we'll move on but um, let's search Archer. The problem is, okay, here we go. That was quick. I think based on this, and I could be wrong. It could have been a different video, but I think they're about two years ago is when I got them. There's the unboxing right there. I think we're showing them. Um, Now I've I've had a few different batches, so I can't be positive with just just looking real quick that it's that exact batch they came in with. But I'm gonna say I've had them for probably about two years. The way I could tell you for sure is if I went back and looked at the videos on setting up this tank or the live streams before I had this and then when the tank was set up and what was in there and stuff, I could tell you for sure. But I think about two years and I'm not sure how old they were when I got them, but I've had them for a couple years, I think. Munatic fringe says from ted judy they like groups but they also like to hide from each other too the males can be a little territorial for mamirids okay so groups but with enough space sounds like they need <laughs> like any of us after <laughs> after thanksgiving with the family it's been great people i need some alone time <laughs> yeah so they like to be in groups but they need some space that makes sense Thanks, lunatic French, uh, and if Ted Judy says it, that's that's a good source for me. I think Ted knows his stuff for sure. Fishaholic, happy Memorial Day! Yeah, right back at you. And thanks again to the fishy mailman for providing a hundred dollar gift certificate for tonight for the giveaway in order to celebrate Memorial Day. Hope all is well. Where is that gin and tonic? Cheers. No H two O with H two O. Hello to the fish fam. Well, hey fishaholic, good to see you. Stephen P two hundred and three two thousand and three. I was going to say two hundred three. <laughs> Just want to say hi. Really enjoyed the building dance fish series. I'm glad to hear that. And the Goldie Eye are still doing great. Great. Which Goldie Eye did you get? Did you get the Kiura? I think you did, if I remember right. I'm glad to hear they're doing well for you. Um. And I hope the building dance fish series goes well. I think it'll be a lot more interesting once it's not again just me talking about things but <laughs> like actual footage of people doing stuff instead of me just saying here's what I did, but we're getting there. We are investing we invested in a new microphone. The the thing that I think about that series right now that really needs help is the audio. And so we've got a new microphone it's arrived we're, we're using it for some stuff playing with it getting to know it a bit and so far we like it I think we've probably got to get a couple new lavalier mics as well uh, the, the little clip on mics because the one we have is having all kinds of audio program or audio problems but you know it was, it was a cheap little thing that Chris had laying around so I think we might want to get some some better ones just so that the nice thing about the lavaliers is when they clip on you um you know they're always the same distance it's not like if chris is holding the camera here and i'm 20 feet away and then the next clip i'm like two feet away right then you get all those different imbalances so we are working through that that's the part of that series that i think we need to improve to make it more enjoyable along with just you know getting more employees in and it'll, it'll also be cooler once f- ground is physically broken and, and building is and cement is being poured and buildings actually starting to go up and all that. So, you know, right now uh, it's early stages. We're working on it. Keith Hanshaw, will you have blue avatar in soon or will it be later on in the year? Well, I tried to get more in. I tried to order more for the import that arrived uh, this last weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is why I can't do a goal, like I'm already almost done my water and my throat's still scratchy. It's kind of allergy season here, all the pollen is everywhere, so I can't really pull off a golazo at the moment. So I tried to get more blue avatars in. Uh, They didn't arrive. Actually, I wasn't even invoiced for them because the breeder's just out right now. So I'll try again next time. Um, They are one that Anytime I'm out, I do try to reorder because it's high demand and they're hard to get. So I do order them every time, just like the gold denison barks. But, you know, the breeder can only churn out so many. Kids, aquatics and reptiles, have you considered viral? Yeah, I have. I, the thing with viral is I, for the African red eye tetras, I assume we're talking about. Yeah. Um. I mean, do you have any advice for that? You know, parasites, I have medicines for. Bacterias, I have medicines for. Viruses, I, I don't know what to do other than keep them as de-stressed as possible. Keep the water really clean <laughs> and, uh, and give them a good diet. But besides that, I don't know what to do. So, although, Bob, didn't you, I mean, it's been years now, but wasn't there a product that you had told me about early on Um, if I'm remembering right, it might help with viral infections. Um, if you could, am I remembering that right? I think I am because Bob brought it up and I didn't know at the time, I think, or didn't remember that Bob was like a nurse and and worked with a lot of animals and and stuff. (laughs) I think I remember, I think I remember Bob saying that and me being like, oh, I don't know about that. Because I didn't realize that Bob kind of knew what he was talking about in that area. I think I remember that right, but <laughs> sorry, Bob, all these years later. <laughs> um, if I'm remembering that right, if you could remind me what that was, I'll I'll give it a try. Right now, it's kind of like just trying to keep him in a de-stressed environment with good food, hoping some rest helps helps their immune system catch up if it is a virus. And I don't even know if it's that, you know, I don't know for sure, but I've tried the parasite stuff and I've tried the other stuff. So the thing I'm left with is virus at this point, if it's a pathogen. Crown tail half moon needs some clarification. Okay. Hikari brand freeze dried bloodworms have more protein than Hikari frozen ones. Can you explain why, or, is I'm, or am I reading that right? Yeah, it's because there's a lot of water in the frozen ones. So if you take an apple and let's say you're measuring, let's go with an orange. This is gonna be a little weird, but let's say you're measuring the vitamin C content um, in per ounce in an orange. Let's say that it's. Uh, I have no idea. But for easy math, let's say 10%. If you take that orange and you dehydrate it and you say how many, I'm sorry, percent, grams. How many grams? Let's hang on. I'm doing this very wrong. Yeah. Grams per ounce, right? Let's say there's 10 grams of vitamin C in a normal orange um, that weighs, I don't know, a quarter of a pound, so in a quarter pound of quarter of a pound of orange, you got 10 grams of vitamin C. I'm totally making that up. Well, if you dry that orange out, then you're like, okay, hey, now in a quarter of a pound of orange, I've got like a thousand grams of vitamin C because there's a lot more orange there because we, we remove the water, right? So it's that, it's uh, the freeze dried ones have a lot more, can pack a lot more protein in because you've removed the water, yeah. I think I explained that very poorly, but hopefully, hopefully that made sense. <laughs> it's just more compact nutrition. Crown Half Moon, have you experiences with treatment for lump under chin in a male beta? I think it's called a goiter. Oh, is it curable and is it hereditary? Only seen in males. So I haven't seen that or run into that in, in bettas personally. But the place I know it from is African cichlids, and it's an iodine deficiency a lot of times in African cichlids. So I would treat it um, with iodized salt when you can add salt to an African cichlid tank. Instead of using non-iodized salt, just use iodized salt. But there's also supplements and things you can do. Not sure on on bettas, because I have not run into that, but I know for African cichlids, it's iodine. So there might be that might get you started on a path if you kind of research iodine and beta deficiency or iodine and goiter beta that might help. Cancer train took your advice on the gold white clouds in a 110 gallon black stock tank. They look great. Yeah, I, I knew they would. They just totally pop. It started spawning within 30 seconds of adding some Java moss. Yep, <laughs> they're probably like, finally a bed. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Paul Soltero, the female gudgeons are all settled in and the boys are interested. Good. That's what we want. By the way, I I was observing fish today. That's how I kind of relax. Okay, I'm going to feed the fish and today I'm going to take five minutes and watch this tank. And tomorrow I might take five minutes and watch a different tank just to kind of keep tabs and get in touch with the fish. I was watching a tank today and lo and behold, two empire gudgeons came out from behind the filter. I, I thought I was out for a long time. So I've got a couple of empire gudgeons to add to the website. when I get a moment? Tori Erpenbeck, what kind of dither fish would you recommend for a 55 gallon that won't get eaten by an EBA? Oh, lot. Um, let's see. 55 gallon. A deep body tetra would probably be fine. Some kind of deep body tetra would be great. Um, I mean, most fish, I think, get get big enough that they're not going to get eaten by by an EBA. Nothing long and slender, right? No coolie loaches. <laughs> None of the little rasboras or, or things like that. But um, I don't know. The phoenix tetras would be great. The Colombian red and blue tetra would be great Uh, things of that nature is what i would i think tori which i is what i would direct you to kind of look at start your mind thinking about those um trying to think if there's anything else that's not i mean i think of tetras when i think of EBA's electric blue acaras just because they're all south american um yeah, I'm sticking with that for now. Mega Mindy Lou, did you happen to catch my channel video of the Botia mating? Oh no, I, I'm sorry. I, I have not done anything extra, nothing but work for a couple weeks. Um, but it's, it's in my mind to do that. Lighting question, do you change your lighting schedule to match the real sunrise, sunset in your area? I don't. I just set my lights and leave it forever. <laughs> that's how I do it um, remember a lot of our fish are tropical and so they're not experiencing the, the temperate shift that we get in our area right um, they're, it's more or less stable with a little variation maybe um, unless you're keeping temperate fish like you know a lot of the fish out of China and natives from North America and stuff like that so I don't worry about that Sonia Jimenez, what's your favorite way to spawn egg scatterers? Man, any way that they want to. My favorite way, I think, is separate the sexes, feed them really well, get the females nice and plump, get your green water culture or rotifer culture or paramecium culture or infusoria culture, whatever you're doing, some kind of small live food. Up and running, get everyone conditioned, have your live food source ready to go. When that happens, um, my favorite thing to do would be to take them and put them two males to one female in like a five and a half gallon aquarium, bare bottom and everything. Put a a bowl in there, like a ceramic bowl, and put some Java moss in there over a layer of, of marbles in the bowl. So you have a bowl, in the bottom of the bowl, you put a layer of marble, say three layers deep. So the fish can't get down in there and then put some Java moss on top of the marbles. And that is their little bed, right? Their little spawning area. So put them in there um, afternoon or evening, let's say, and often the next morning when the lights first come on, or this would be a time when you would like some natural daylight to kind of gradually, come in and and increase the light, right? So it's not just on, off. Anyway, when the lights come on or the sun gradually lights the room, whatever, they'll often start spawning the next morning. So that's what I would say is the way to do it and get a relatively good spawn relatively quickly. And then raising the babies, that's all about, you take the parents out after they spawn, lower the water level, you don't want really deep water for them and like down to like an inch or so. Or, you know, sometimes we'll take the bowl out and pour it into like a, a plastic, uh, little plastic shoebox type container, about an inch of water. And when the babies hatch, leave them until they're free swimming and then start feeding them um, that paramecium or rotifers or infusoria or whatever you're feeding them and go from there. So that's how I like to do it if I'm not doing just like a natural lazy man's method, right? If I'm kind of intentionally spawning them. I would also like to um, refer you to the video on my YouTube channel uh, where I tour Chase's fish room. I think it's like old school master fish breeder or something like that is the title of that video. Um, Chase has been breeding egg scatters forever and he goes through his entire method. And we we show his equipment, we show his spawning containers, his rearing containers. He, He does it different. He takes really, really fine powdered food and he puts in a little vial of water, half water, half air, right? And he shakes it up really, really well. And then he takes that vial and he lets it sit on the counter for a while until, say, I don't know, 10 minutes, whatever, until a lot of the heavy stuff has fallen to the bottom of the vial. Then he takes an eyedropper and he sucks out the suspended solution and leaves the stuff on the bottom and he squirts that in and that's what he feeds his newly hatched barbs and Danios and Rasboras and Tetras and stuff. Um, That way he has stuff that'll stay in suspension and not sink down and just get lost. So that's his method and his, he knows more about it than I do. So I'd recommend looking at Chase's video. I'd also refer you to Mark's Aquatics, another YouTube channel where um, detailed videos of, of breeding lots of different egg scatterers are on that channel. So those are my thoughts on it. Is it Mikey or Mickey? I, I'm going with Mikey today. <laughs> Mikey M. <laughs> do you have any experience with jelly bean tetras? No. I hope to breed them. I hope you do too. That's one Tetra that I've never had. So I I have yet to keep jelly bean Tetras. Um, I think they're cool. Let's show people what we're talking about here. I think they're pretty darn cool, but I've never kept them. All right, here we go. Jelly bean Tetras. And look really cool. I don't think I've ever actually even seen one in real life. Maybe I have, but I can't can't remember it right now. Hey, I got a super chat. And I didn't even know it. Pedro Fisk, favorite first food for Cory Fry. Yeah, for if fa- for Cory Fry, I really like micro worms. The reason I like them is they sink. So they're small. Check. They're live. Check. They're worms, which Corys love, check, and they sink to the bottom where the baby Corys are, check. Just don't start feeding the baby Corys until they've ab- absorbed their yolk sac and you see them kind of looking for food. Also, change the water frequently, they make a mess. <laughs> baby Corys eat a lot. Stephen P., 2003. Yes, the Kiura. Gorgeous. Okay, I thought that's the one you got. Uh, Melanotania Goldiei Kiura is the location. Kevin's Canines and Aquatics. Hello. Hello, right back at you. Good to see you. Thanks for being here. And chat jumps, so here I go. I know I'm way behind. <laughs> Sorry. But that's how we roll here the Dance Fish live stream. Okay, still going. Wow. Yeah, okay, here we go. K Batty, do camelanus worms survive brackish conditions? I don't know. I know there's a few species, but hoping the ones commonly found in aquariums are freshwater. I don't know if they survive in brackish conditions, um, and they're internal. So I don't know how much like salt would affect them at all because the salinity of the inside of the fish isn't going to change that much. Maybe it'll affect the eggs or the free-swimming little larvae when they first hatch and are seeking a host. But I don't. I honestly think, okay, just going off the top of my head, I think Camelanus redworms probably can survive in brackish water because they're internal. They lay their eggs, and then the fish or little eggs or little—I don't even know what you call them—is it eggs or do they have live little babies? I think it's eggs. Can't remember for sure, but if it's eggs, then I bet that the egg case would probably protect them pretty well until the fish went down and slurped them off the bottom and, and you know the cycle went again. So I'm just kinda guessing here that they probably could survive in brackish water. But I I, I think they can survive in brackish water. I don't know how well they would reproduce in brackish water, I guess. No idea. Another, the Z, what is the easiest goby species to keep? Let's see here, it's gonna be, so basically I'm trying to think what easily eats prepared foods, because that's such a, a barrier for entry for a lot of fish keepers. So what can eat like flakes and pellets and stuff really easily? That's a challenge. Most gobies don't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, I've got a lot of rhinogobius weaned over to eat like sinking pellets and things. So rhinogobius are pretty good. I would say they're a pretty easy one. They, they eat frozen foods really easily as well. Um, the stiphodons are pretty good, but you need to have a really well-established tank so they have a lot of surface uh, biofilm and algae and stuff to graze on while they're learning that that algae wafer is good to eat. Once they do, they're super easy, but there is a little transition period for them. So I'm going to go with stiphodon gobies, pretty easy, and rhinogobius species, pretty easy. One's a benthic like grazer, that's your stifidons, and one is a um, carnivore the rhinogobias. So they'll eat frozen bloodworms and brine shrimp and sinking pellets and stuff once they're trained to it. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with those. Siciopus um, and Sicyopterus and things like that, I think are a little more challenging to get eating prepared foods. Once you do, again, it's easy, but I think they just take a little longer. So I'm going to, I mean, they're hardy. They're, they're in every other way. I think they're very simple as the others, but just for the ease of getting them transitioned to prepared foods, I'm going to go with the other two. Lunatic Fringe did a video of my favorite killifish. Awesome. It's my favorite fish, period, is uh, the Fundulopanchax gardener. Right? Asking if I found out anything more on the pelvic achromus. I, I have not had time to dig into. Uh, to all the fun stuff. <laughs> Sorry, there's a million fish I wanna research and see if I can find a source for and all that, but it's gonna it's gonna be after the warehouse is up and running. There's just, uh, there's no time on my end. But remind me once the warehouse is up and running, because that was a cool, uh, Chewy shared with me a video he did on this uh, pelvic achroma species that's purple and pretty awesome. And I, I want to see if I can find a source for it. But I won't have time to dig in and do that research until I until like have time. <laughs> Alfredo Real, what's your favorite food to feed bristlenose or the best food? Uh, variety. Um, so with all fish, honestly, I want to make this clear. Variety, to me, is the best. So with, with plecos, it's not a single one. It's but there's a couple principles it's food that sinks and doesn't like make a big mess when it gets waterlogged so i really like algae wafers i like carnivore sinking pellets because i like to they need their veggies but i like to give them a mix um i like green beans french cut canned green beans for sure i like zucchini stick a you know slice it so that the middle's exposed or coin it, if you will, Um, put a fork in it and sink it in the aquarium, and they'll eat that. If they don't go for it right away, try blanching it, just boiling it slightly for a few minutes. Sometimes they'll go for that quicker. Um, All kinds of fresh veggies and stuff they'll eat. So I'm going to go with unprepared foods, algae wafers, and a large meaty sinking pellet. You can mix them, right? Give them some protein every now and then. And then also some veggies, like actual vegetables. But I wouldn't say there's one. I don't think any one food typically has everything in it that a fish needs. Um, there, there's some extremely specialized uh, fish, I get it, that kind of eat one thing, but almost all the fish we keep in aquariums are eating lots of things. Most of them are omnivores that are eating at least some detritus. Just to stay full, you know, ingest the microbacteria bacteria and different um, micro bacteria, uh, microorganisms and algae and stuff that's in the detritus. They'll nibble on some algae. Oh, look, I found a worm. Let's take advantage of that. You know, they're opportunistic. They eat almost everything. Now, there's some dedicated piscivores and stuff like that or molluscivores and things that are more specialized. But in general, variety is key. Sam, darling, any recommendations for tank mates for a school of giant danios and a 75 gallon? Yes. Um, not a specific fish, but the principle I would go with when trying to stock that fish is something good sized and that you can somehow feed. It <laughs> won't get out-competed by a school of giant danios. So, there's a lot of cichlids, I think, that learn about feeding time and food. Like electric blue acara, I think would do fine. You might need to to like feed floating foods in the top corner over here, and once the danios are scoo are like mobbing it, then grab some sinking pellets and throw them on the other side for the acaras. You know, there's some tricks like that, but. Um, I don't want to say large cichlids, you know, they'll eat danios. but like electric blue cara, when they're full grown, they're boisterous enough. They can get up in there. And I, I think it's hard to outcompete them once they learn about feeding time and where the food is and what they have to do. So that's one, (laughs) but in general fish like that, not necessarily cichlids, but stuff that can get through that churning school of danios and get, get some food. Or stuff that if you drop in like a large sinking pellet, because the Daniels aren't going to be able to snatch that up. They'll have to work on it. Um, will come over and compete with the Daniels as they chow down on that. Barbs would be great. Um, you know, I'm, I'm leaning towards barbs and large cichlids, but not big enough to, to eat the danios. That's what I'm thinking of. I, I don't think if it's a large school of Daniels, I, I don't think I would do rainbows. I have a feeling that they might be stressed out and out-competed, even though they're pretty quick to the food. Danios are just <laughs> a whole nother, another category of chaos at feeding time. So, oh, um, some of the, like, I would say maybe pick this catfish if they don't get big enough to eat giant Danios, which I don't think they do, but check that before you got them. But they're super fast to the food too, and they can compete. Stuff like that. Ty Hunsaker throwing down two bucks. Thanks. 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 Always appreciated. Never required, but it does make the wife super happy. Every time $2 falls out of the computer screen. Thanks, Ty. I'm up late. Hi, miss y'all. Thanks for being you. Hey, back at you, Ty. Miss you too. Hope I can see you again someday. And, um, Keep taking pictures of the moon, buddy. <laughs> I like when those come across my feed. Globe Gaming, any good mid water food? I have a rocket guard that is getting outcompeted because the food sinks too fast. Hmm. Well, I know a lot of food that'll stay on the surface, and I know food that'll sink. I don't know of food that kind of suspends in the middle. That's a tall order because you'd have to get, you know, the buoyancy just right. I think vibrobites sink fairly slowly. I can't think of anything that's like midwater buoyant though. I'm sorry. I really can't. I mean, guppies. (laughs) Those are mid-water buoyant. I I might be a case of separation, like taking out the competitor, removing the guard to a more chill tank or something. I I don't have good advice for you there. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's just not. I can't think of, besides live foods, right? I can't think of anything that's kind of buoyant like that kind of (laughs) mid-water. As I'm scrolling up, because chat jumped again, I came across Orange Cone's comment here. So no headstanders with Giant daniels school? Oh, geez. That would be a disaster. Oh, good. (laughs) It's Mick. It's not Mike and it's not Mickey. It's Mick. Okay. I'll try to remember. (laughs) Mick M. (laughs) Another, the Z. Could you talk a bit about keeping green tanks? How to do it? Okay. So, um, I mean, once you get them going, it's hard to not keep them because they, it's sometimes hard to get rid of the green water. That's the problem most people had. I would say lots of light and lots of nutrients, I guess, is what I'm going to go with. Lots of light, lots of nutrients. If you can get a starter from a friend or order one up somewhere from someone supplying live food, they might have a green water culture. You see them for sale occasionally. Um, I don't know if there's one up on Get Gills right now or not, but it could be a place to check. Or anyone here, do you want to sell another The, the Z a Green Water Culture? Um, basically what I found works really well for green water is scuds in a tank because they'll eat all the surface algae, but they won't eat the green water algae, lots of nutrients. So feed the scuds a lot. Basically you can use fertilizers as well. Um, and lots of light. What would normally happen is you might get a whole bunch of surface algae just going bonkers, using all those nutrients and all that light. But with the scuds in there to eat all that surface algae, then the green water has a chance to really take advantage. That's kind of my best advice. My best green water cultures, the most stable ones, are um, result from scud cultures. So that's what I would go with. Cancer Train, gonna tag you in Insta. Got some hyperlapse video of quarries of all ages eating. Oh, that seems cool. Yeah. Time lapse of Cory's. Little babies on up. HC Aqua, good to see you, brother. Hope the move is going okay. Uh, it says happy Memorial Day, which reminds me, for those that or don't know, um, please give a shout out and thank the fishy mailman who was generous enough to provide a $100 giveaway for tonight's uh, live stream. That's pretty awesome. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Speaking of which, let's go ahead and draw that right now. It's, it's 8-11, um, and that'll keep the folks that join up right at the end just to get entered to win. That'll that'll foil their master plan, which always makes me happy. So we're going to do the drawing right now for the $100 giveaway, $100 gift certificate from the fishy mailman. Look at that chat try to catch up. And the winner is Rescue Dog Treats. Awesome. Rescue Dog Treats has been... Uh, active on this channel and and customer stuff for for quite a while. So, rescue dog treats, it's it's nice to see that it was you. Congratulations. And um, you've got a couple minutes to chime in. Let us know you're here, because you do have to be present to win. Um, That's the only real rule. And we'll get you that gift certificate. And while we're waiting, let me scroll here. The next one, that was Cancer Train. K Batty. Tank is almost empty empty. Looking to salt the eggs and larvae. I don't know if it would work or not. Um, I don't would you would you give it a whirl and let me know? I'm I'm curious. Or does someone else here know um, can camelanous redworms reproduce in salt water in, in brackish water? I don't know rescue dog treats is here all right congratulations if you'd send me an email with your first and last name oh no just send me an email say hey i'm rescue dog treats i won because i don't have to mail it i'll email it to you the gift certificate um congratulations and thanks again very much to the fishy mailman for providing that awesome giveaway I, i think i speak for all of us we say we appreciate it and that's very generous of you um just out of the goodness of his heart in order to celebrate Memorial Day and make Memorial Day more meaningful. So happy Memorial Day and thanks again. Queen Siondok, can licorice gouramis be kept in moderate hard water? Yes. Can they live with wild bettas in a 20 liter? I would say yes, as long as depending on the wild betta. There's lots of wild bettas that would outcompete and and or eat <laughs> licorice gouramis. But once the licorice caramys learn about feeding time, they're pretty Johnny on the spot at getting there. They don't eat fast, but they go and they start, you know, picking at stuff pretty quickly. Um, so I would say, I think with um, like Brown orum and Cochina and Rutland's, um, Rutland's, um Hendra maybe, Stuff like that, the small little wine bettas, if you will, the cochina complex. I think they probably go just fine with. I haven't tried it, but I haven't kept them together. But I know th- I know both those groups of fish well enough that I think it's going to be fine. Now the thing with the moderately hard water is, is once wild bettas and licorice gouramis and samurai gouramis and chocolate gouramis, all those all those kind of black water anabantoids are properly recovered from shipping, they're pretty rock solid fish. The problem you run into is their their environments, including the licorice grummy, are so acidic that they're almost sterile. bacteria doesn't live well in acidic environments. So you take this fish from this environment that doesn't have all the pathogens in it that we have in our aquariums, especially if we have hard water, just because hard water, you know, is (laughs) a place where all those things can thrive. You take them out of this kind of sterile condition, this acidic condition. Then we put them in aquariums and now they're exposed to all these different pathogens. So those are groups of fish that I think need to be carefully quarantined, um, prophylactically medicated because – they need to be able to recover from shipping, start eating well, um, get accustomed to aquarium life so that the stress goes away before they have to combat all those pathogens that they've never experienced before or, or exist in such limited numbers in their natural environment. So um, that's the trick. Once they've gone through that quarantine process and are adjusted and um, aren't in a constant state of stress. In my experience, they do just fine in, in even pretty hard water. you got to keep it clean. They don't like ammonia at all because it doesn't even exist in their natural environment. It's too acidic. They don't like nitrite at all. And they have to be well adjusted after import. And then they're fine. So that's my, that's my experience with them. Twist Aquatic's throwing out $2. Thank you so much. FYI, the bettas I want are breeding. Oh, that's great news. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. And fingers crossed right back at you. I hope they do well. I hope you raise a nice batch. And that's great to hear. Hope you're doing well, Priscilla. Kelly Foreman, my psichopterists love extreme sinking wafers. So do my rainbows. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, like, once the, once the gobies learn about prepared foods, then they're good. In fact, when I feed my Cichyopterus, um, I'll drop in a wafer and they'll go up and grab it before it even hits the bottom. And then they'll take it over and start chewing on it. Then they'll swim off and another one will come and chew on it for a while. Then I'll swim back and be like, get off my wafer. It's this big, it's fun to watch. It's very active feeding time with those gobies, but it takes a while for them to learn that that's food. It's not like a fresh import. You bring in those gobies, put in algae wafers, and then go start eating them. It takes a long time to kind of train them. Oh, I eat that. But well, once they do, yeah, they're <laughs> then it's hard to stop them. Algae wafers or sinking wafers, kind of anything big that sinks and doesn't, doesn't fall apart quickly, I think is what you want to go for for those kinds of gobies. And they like bloodworms too, Psychiopterus. If you give them a treat of like frozen bloodworms and they love scuds, like live scuds, they'll, they'll chase them all around. It's super fun to watch. It's not easy for them to eat them because they're kind of grazers. So they'll like grab them and it's, it's a bit of a struggle, but they, they get it eventually. W. Marion, any possibility of samurai gouramis coming in soon? Um, I'm not going to bring any samurai gouramis in probably until the warehouse is completed or or any of those, those black water species. Um, I think they're going to just benefit really greatly from that fresh water and the volume of, of turnover that the warehouse can provide. I think it'll be a lot better for them. Then, I mean, I I can get them through quarantine and do all that now, but I think it's more stressful. So, you know, going through all the meds and stuff, it it is stressful on them. So I'm going to wait till the warehouse. So here's what I'm interested to see this. So I've been running some A-B tests uh, I haven't made videos of this or anything, and it's not because I haven't wanted to. It's, it's, liter- it's just time. I just haven't found the time. So we have something that's going to happen when we move into the warehouse. Right now, the way I manage new imports is besides you know clean water and, and, all, and observation and all that is through medication. In the warehouse, I'm not going to be able to use a lot of medications because the water from the warehouse goes back to the local creek, right? The local river. And I don't want to be putting fish medications into the river. You know, that's 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 a no-no. Now, there is a UV sterilizer, so that'll probably break down some. And if we ever had an instance where we like had a a sick tank and we really needed to treat it, we could shut off the incoming water and we could treat it. And then we could remove that water and just run it through a carbon filter for a while before we took it out there. There are ways to do it, but at scale in a flow through system that returns to a local river and a natural waterway I'm looking for different ways to quarantine and, and get f- fish through um, after import and get them settled and hardy and stuff without using so many medicines. So I've been doing some A-B tests where um, I take a group of fish and I put half of them in the normal quarantine thing. Um, in fact, you'll see this if you look at some of my, my last few unboxings. Uh, not all the fish went immediately into the quarantine system as we know it, but the sterile system. They are quarantined because each tank is its own thing, right? They're all separate. But I've been like trying, okay, I'm going to put some of these in the sterile system and use medicines and all that like normal. I'm going to put some in the non sterile system <clears throat> and see if I keep the water flow going and things, um, how they do. And what I found is from my main, the the main supplier I'm using now out of Indonesia does such a good job prepping fish and packing fish and shipping fish. And what I found is most species do just fine. There's no appreciable difference between the two systems except for blackwater species, licorice gouramis, samurai gouramis, chocolate gouramis, things like that. And so as I'm developing new procedures and processes that can work at scale in the warehouse and, and doing those tests, so I'm ready when we move into the warehouse, um, I've, I've learned that about that group of fish. And so that's why I'm not bringing any in um, until we get to the warehouse, because then I, then I think we'll be just fine. but. That's where I'm at. I'm just trying different things, trying to learn about what I need to do in the new system. Now, in the non-sterile tanks, I can still do parasite treatments and things like that. But uh, the the anti- the, the antibiotics I can't use in an established ecosystem. I can only use those in like an, a, a sterile hospital tank. Type quarantine situation. So I've been trying to learn about that. Orange cones. So, okay, I already got that one. Ty. Hello again, Mega Mindy Lou. Good to see ya. Watching your tank behind you. Are you a car breeding again? Probably. Um, <laughs> or getting ready to. Uh, they bred uh, again three, four weeks ago. So they're about due. They spawn all the time. Yep. Sorry, Kevin's Canines. It jumped on me. Let me scroll up here. There it is. Kevin's Canines and Aquatics. When breeding egg, egg scatterers, I believe you suggested separating the males and females. Yes. When and how do you usually sex them, especially CPDs? CPDs, let me see if I can show you. It's about the, the color on the anal fin is what I usually go with. Um, Celestial pearl Okay, see if I can find an example. Now it can be, okay here's an example right here. This is a female. This female has some orange and then the fin is clear. There's no dark margin after the orange. This is a male. On the anal fin, we have orange, then a dark margin after the orange. And then this one has more orange and another dark margin, right? So that's a male. So what I do is I look at the anal fin and orange, no dark margin, just orange and clear, female. Orange, dark margin, male. More orange, more dark margin, really a male, (laughs) right? So male, right? Orange, then a dark margin. Oops, whoa, what happened there? Sorry, I didn't mean to. ah. Female, orange, clear. So look at the anal fin. Um, Yeah, that's probably enough examples to give you the idea. All right, hopefully that was helpful. That's the way I do it. Paul Soltero, freeze-dried tubifix worms. Oh, I think this is the mid-water buoyancy food. Okay, yeah, you can take a cube of freeze-dried tubifix worms, or black worms, or whatever they're calling them these days, and stick it to the front glass, and you could do that mid-water. That might work. I don't know if the gar is going to feed off a surface like, like the glass very well, but that is a way to keep food mid-water for a while. It's just stuck to a surface. It's not actually free-floating. But Paul's suggestion is better than what I came up with. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Russell Lamont. I have a 10-gallon aquarium that's been running about a year with a beta and five CPDs. It's always been crystal clear, but last month the water started getting green and cloudy. Any suggestions? Well, you've got green water. Um, hopefully your municipality didn't change the water like suddenly on you. And sometimes sometimes what can happen is if your water just changes drastically. Let's say they switch from chlorine to chloramine and you weren't aware. Of course, then your fish would be dead too. But or there's just been a drastic change from winter to spring water source. Um, and, and there's been this abrupt change in water that you're using and you didn't know it, sometimes that can create a change to where algae just starts blooming because now there's different nutrients and things like that. So what was balanced is now out of balance. Sometimes it can be such a severe change that it actually uh, causes die off of a lot of like the little microorganisms and then you get cloudy water, Um not necessarily green water. Although green water can feed on cloudy water, you can have a mix. So I'm not sure what it could be, but going from summer to winter and winter to summer, like those transition stages, municipalities often change their water source with the seasonal changes like that. So that might be something to think about. Other than that, it's a question of um, nutrients and light, like any algae, a balance there you can change a lot of water frequently and kind of tone it down you can do a blackout where you take a a dark blanket saying cover the tank so there's no light in the tank for a few days that can help or you can use a, use a uv sterilizer the the problem with kind of doing some of these is you have to be aware when you kill off all that algae it doesn't just like disappear from the tank it dies in the tank and now you've got a bunch of decomposing matter in the tank. So keep that in account if you're going to kill that algae with a UV sterilizer or um, or with a blackout method or something. Just keep in account. It's going to be a lot of organic material decomposing. Um, and you might need to keep tabs on ammonia and nitrite and stuff. But for long-term maintenance of a tank that's consistently having trouble this doesn't sound consistent but if you do have consistent green water problems i would say um, if you can't find the balance between light and nutrients then the hack is a decent uv sterilizer that would be my thoughts on that one more minute i have got to shut it down um so thanks everybody for being here i want to thank my moderators first and foremost just because I so appreciate them volunteering their time every week and making this live stream function. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank the fishy mailman for providing the giveaway tonight, hundred dollar gift certificate. That's pretty generous and happy Memorial day to you and to everybody. Um, Thanks again. Everyone that left a super chat. Awesome. Love it when money falls from the sky. Thanks. Everyone that asked questions and comments. I appreciate you making this lively and interesting with your questions and comments. If I didn't get to yours, I apologize. I I do my best, but you know, (laughs) I very rarely reach the bottom of the chat. So rarely that the last time I did it, someone sent me a commemorative mug (laughs) for the occasion. Thanks again, Orange Cones. Um, Hail to the Lurker Nation, everyone watching on replay. Thanks for watching. I hope you can be here live someday, but I get it, life is busy, no worries. I'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I sincerely hope everyone has a great week. See you then. Bye-bye.